Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Mindful Perspective. I'm your host, Nick Levesque, Certified Spiritual Life Coach, and I'm here to share insights into my journey of mindfulness and self-discovery. Each week, we'll explore mindset, spirituality, and personal growth to help you navigate life's challenges with practical strategies and inspiring stories. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Mindful Perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety, which is something that's very dear to me because it's something that I have personally struggled with for years. Um, And I still do, to be quite honest, but now I have better tools and resources in my tool belt that helps me manage and alleviate my symptoms of anxiety. And another reason I wanted to talk about anxiety today is because I feel like over the past few years, with everything that's been going on and happening around the world, I feel like anxiety has skyrocketed, right? I feel like a lot of people are more anxious uh, with valid reasons, of course, right? Just with everything going on. So I feel like anxiety is a very important topic to talk about and discuss openly because if you are suffering from anxiety, you are not alone, okay? I have anxiety myself and I've talked to so many people that struggle with anxiety as well. So today we'll be talking more about understanding anxiety and also tips and tricks to help manage and alleviate your anxiety. Now, before I get started here, I do want to say that anxiety is a broad topic, okay? A lot of people experience anxiety differently. There are multiple different types of anxiety, such as social anxiety, okay? There are different triggers and circumstances that can cause individuals to be anxious. So with that being said, I thought that I would start by sharing different perspectives on how different people experience anxiety, and then I'll share my own perspective and how I personally experience anxiety. So... I'm going to read a few examples uh, from an online article that I found where people share their own perspectives on anxiety. So we'll start with the first example here. And this individual says, for me, living with anxiety is like living with an invisible enemy who controls my mind and actions. I hate that enemy. Another person says, to me, anxiety is feeling like your head's a scary roller coaster that won't end. Like you feel as though your heart skips a beat and your stomach just won't calm down for a while. So I found these two examples highlight anxiety very well from different perspectives, and I also want to throw in my own perspective of how I experience anxiety. So for me personally, a few years ago, when I really struggled with anxiety, the best way to describe it is almost like someone was running my mind, like I I was completely out of control. So that would lead to a lot of rumination and a lot of overthinking, which I really had trouble grasping, right? I really couldn't take control of that overthinking. So all the different scenarios would pop in my mind. So for example, like, what if I fail that test? What if this doesn't work out? What if, right? So all these hypothetical what if scenarios that most likely would never happen. But again, my mind would just constantly stuck projecting into the future, worrying about these imagined threats that actually weren't even there. And I'll jump into imagined threats a bit more later on because I find it's a very important aspect of anxiety. But let's talk a bit more about understanding what anxiety actually is. So the first thing I think that's very important to understand about anxiety is that anxiety is also very, very closely related to fear, okay? Anxiety is our body's reaction or response to a perceived threat. Now, the reason fear and anxiety are so closely related is because they use the same part of the brain called the amygdala, okay? And anxiety also uses different parts of the brain, but just to help paint a better picture here, fear and anxiety both use the amygdala, and the amygdala is basically our body's alarm system. 
So let's just talk about a few scenarios here to really highlight what I'm talking about. So let's say, as an example, that you're walking down the street and someone jumps out of a bush to try and scare you. Okay, we see these videos all the time. They try to prank you. So as you can see from people's reaction, what happens is they get triggered, right? They get into that fear response, which is triggered by the amygdala. Again, it's our it's our alarm system, right? It's what notifies us when there's a perceived threat. So in that circumstance, when they're jumping out, even though their intentions are just to scare you, our brain does not know the difference, right? Our brain is not there to make us happy or sad. Our brain is literally our survival mechanism. So basically, when someone's jumping out of a bush to try and scare you, your brain triggers your amygdala, essentially, right? And then what happens is your body gets that response and goes into what we call fight, flight, or freeze. So now that your body's perceived that threat, right? Basically what it does is like, okay, am I ready to fight? Do I leave? Or am I just frozen as an example, right? The same principle could be applied. Let's say you're walking somewhere and you see a bear, right? Maybe you'll be completely frozen with fear because you actually don't know what to do, right? So these are just examples of what happens when that alarm in our body goes off. Now, let's just go back to our bush example here for a second, okay? Now that we understand and we know that the person jumping out of a bush is not actually a threat, what's going to happen here is, okay, we might be thrown off for a second, we might start laughing, different types of things can happen here, right? But once we've assessed that it's not a threat, what's going to happen is our parasympathetic nervous system is going to kick in, and that's literally what is called the uh, rest and digest system. So that's what's going to bring us back to a state of calmness, right? Our body has that internal mechanism to bring us back to a state of peace, which is our natural state, if you will. Now, let's give an example that highlights a bit more of the anxiety side of things, okay? So let's say that you're going on a hike and you absolutely love going on hikes. It's your thing. Um, and today you and your friend are trying a new trail. But on this trail, your friend tells you that you might see a lot of snakes on this trail. Now, all of a sudden, you start getting extremely worried and anxious, right? Because maybe you're terrified of snakes. Maybe one of your biggest fears is snakes, and now you're worried that you'll run into a snake. You will get bitten by a snake, whatever the case may be, right? Now, what's happening is you are projecting into the future, quote unquote, and you are thinking about all these scenarios where you may encounter a snake, right? What if this happens? What if I see a snake here? What if I get bitten by a snake? And what's happening is that even though there's no perceived threat, and you're not actually in danger right now, your brain is still perceiving that as a threat, right? Because again, whether it's real or imagined, it doesn't matter. Your brain does not know the difference. So now your brain is thinking that there is a threat on the way. So now that's causing you a lot of anxiety, right? And anxiety also, this is what I've personally experienced as well, but when you're getting anxiety, it's not just racing thoughts, right? There's psychological symptoms, but there's also physiological symptoms, right? So it could be restlessness, or maybe in this case, you're on edge, right? Because you, you don't know if there's going to be a snake towards you. You can get easily tired. There could be muscle tension, uh, muscle aches or soreness, a lot of sweating, right? Maybe your heart is going to race a lot. Maybe it'll have shortness of breath. So there's a lot of different symptoms for a lot of people. But what I'm saying is that anxiety also not only causes anxious thoughts, but it also literally causes physiological symptoms in your body because, again, your body is primed up. It's getting ready to either fight, uh, flee, or freeze, as an example. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with everyone today is for this very simple reason, okay? And if there's anything that you take away from this episode today, I want it to be this, okay? Anxiety, as much as it can seem like it, is not our enemy, okay? Anxiety is not something that we should be trying to get rid of, okay? I hear people say that all the time. Oh, I wish I had no anxiety or I wish I didn't have anxiety at all. The thing is, anxiety, again, 
is our defense mechanism, right? It's trying to protect us. Without anxiety, we wouldn't react the way we do when we're, we're in danger, as an example, right? So anxiety is not something to get rid of. It's part of us. It's something that we need to understand and learn how to manage. And it's very important for us to understand and learn how to manage for two simple reasons. One is we don't want anxiety to run our lives, right? I have personally been there. I know how it feels and it can impact you significantly mentally and physically as well. And the second part is that once we start understanding that anxiety is really just our body's response to a perceived threat, we can truly start to kind of detach from our anxiety and really ask the question, is this actually a threat? Am I safe right now, right? We can start making the distinction between what is an actual threat and what is a perceived threat based on our interpretation of the scenario or the situation. So now that we understand how anxiety works and where it comes from, let's dissect it a little further, okay? So this is how I was taught anxiety, and I want to share this with you guys because I find it's a phenomenal perspective, okay? So anxiety, okay, is a mix of two things. Number one, stress. Number two, worry. So basically, anxiety is the intersection between stress and worry. So let's just give an example, okay? Let's say in two weeks, you have to prepare for a presentation that you're going to do. So it's going to be your first public speaking gig, okay? So you're obviously going to feel a bit of stress, right? So that's completely normal. You're going, be, you're going to be feeling stress. And personally, I believe that stress can be a really good catalyst to put us on the right path, right? It can help us prepare. It can help us ensure that we're doing a good presentation, as an example. But now the problem becomes when stress is starting to overwhelm us, right? So that's where it starts to bridge into anxiety, okay? So stress really is just you're stressed for a little bit, it's not too long. But anxiety is when the stress goes on for too long and you start to worry, okay? So if you're starting to worry a lot, right? This is what I meant by worrying is the thinking part of anxiety. If we're starting to worry a lot, this might be a sign that our stress is leading more into anxiety, okay? So we can be starting to ask questions like, what if, right? So uh, what if I don't do a good presentation? What if I fail? What if everyone laughs at me? And then you start getting anxious and then you start getting into this spiral of anxious thoughts, right? Which can then lead into negative thoughts and all these different events, right? Because again, oftentimes our anxiety is rooted into future and unknown events, right? So we get worried about things. Now, I want to clarify something. Worry can be good because worry can help us with different types of problem solving, right? It can make us focus on things that we need to find solutions for. But the problem with a lot of people with anxiety and what I've noticed in myself personally when I'm anxious is that first and foremost is that we worry about things that may or may not happen. And a lot of the times there are things that will probably never happen. And secondly, we focus on things that we have absolutely no control over, right? And personally, I think that's what a big part of anxiety is, is that we don't have control over the situation. So by not having a certain outcome or a determined outcome, that causes us to be anxious. And I do believe that these imagined threats, as an example, are a bigger cause of our anxiety today, okay? Because again, if we take a step back here and look at our ancestors, right? Well, obviously they needed to be attuned to threat based on their survival and their surroundings, right? So obviously they needed to to have that anxiety more than we did because, for example, let's say there was a saber-toothed tiger that was lurking around, right? Obviously that was going to cause them good anxiety and prepare them for the fight or flight, right? But for us, as an example... I feel like a lot of things are perceived threats that aren't actually really threats, right? So let's just give a quick example, okay? Let's say that you and your partner had a big fight, okay? And that led to you sleeping at your friend's house uh, just for the night. And then the next morning, you get a text from your partner saying, hey, we really need to talk. Well, personally and honestly, I have been in that situation before. 
And I can tell you that my anxiety spiked through the roof to the point where I almost had a panic attack. And again, panic attacks can be caused by significant anxiety. But in that scenario, essentially what I did was, again, I started being so anxious, my body was going crazy, right? I started sweating. My palms were were really sweaty. My heart was racing. I was really feeling those symptoms of anxiety. And then my head started to go to all these different potential scenarios, right? What if she breaks up with me? What if she leaves me? And all these different things, right? So this is what I mean. Even though there was actually no perceived threat in my environment, my body was acting as though there was, right? And a lot of the times anxiety, this is what it is. We're projecting into the future. We're worrying about a bunch of things that aren't even happening or may not even happen. And then we bring that energy back into our bodies in the present and we're feeling it as though it's happening right now when there's actually nothing that's actually happening. There's no threat in our environment other than this imagined threat that we have. And again, back to what I was saying, I feel like in our society today, a lot of threats are imagined, right? It could be our boss just saying, hey, we need to talk. And then again, our mind spirals into this anxiety. We start getting stressed out. Oh my goodness, what if he gives me negative feedback? What if I get fired, right? So this is exactly what I mean by these imagined threats that I was uh, highlighting the importance of, right? So again, it's very important to remember that our mind likes to play tricks on us, okay? And a lot of the times, this is much easier said than done, but there really is no need to worry as much as we are worrying. And to prove my point here, I'm going to read a part of a study that was conducted by psychologists at Cornell University. So word for word, the study says, Lo and behold, it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen... 79% of subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected, or the difficulty taught them an important lesson worth learning. This means that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. And to add on to this as well, there's a beautiful quote that I found by Winston Churchill, and he says, When I look back on all these worries— I remember the story of the old man who said on his deathbed that he had had a lot of trouble in his life, most of which had never happened. So again, I really hope that this can highlight and give you a different perspective on anxiety and just to really paint a better picture that a lot of the times what we worry about, really we're worrying for nothing and it's not even going to happen, right? And in the circumstances that it does, sometimes, again, it can teach us a lesson or it's not even as bad as we thought in the first place. But now that we've talked about anxiety quite a bit here, let's jump into tips and tricks on how to manage and alleviate our symptoms of anxiety. So tip number one that I want to share today is awareness, okay? I say this all the time, almost every episode, and I will keep saying it because, again, we can't change anything that we're not aware of, and we can't improve anything that we're not aware of, right? So the first thing is to notice, okay? Notice your anxiety. Notice when you are most anxious, okay? Are there any environments that you're exposed to that are triggering your anxiety, okay? What is triggering your anxiety? Is there people that you're hanging out with? Is it social media, okay? It could be different types of things, but try to notice what is triggering your anxiety, okay? And also, very importantly, where does anxiety show up in your body, right? So for me personally, it's always in my gut, right? I've said this before, but whenever I get anxious or something, I can feel it in my gut. There's a gut feeling, and then I'll get nervous, right? Um, I can get my palms can start getting sweaty. Um, my heart can start racing a lot, but a lot of times my anxiety will be in my gut. So again, 
where is your anxiety showing up? What is triggering that anxiety? And I completely understand that sometimes anxiety can just start on its own, right? But maybe there's something in your environment or maybe there's something around you that you didn't notice that actually triggered that. So again, the first step is awareness. And let's say that you've identified what's causing your anxiety. You know that you're feeling your anxiety in your gut, but you're still very overwhelmed, okay? One thing I personally recommend is to take a few deep breaths, okay? Breathing, no matter what type of breathing exercise you do, it brings you back into your body, okay? It grounds you, it brings you back into the present moment, and it also allows your body to get that feeling of safety, right? Because again, when we're anxious, a lot of the times is because there is a quote-unquote perceived threat. So our body needs safety to feel safe. And once you've taken those soothing breaths and you feel a bit more grounded, one question you can also ask yourself is, am I safe? Because by asking yourself that question, you are putting into perspective that there is actually no real threat around you, right? Maybe you're thinking about something, maybe it's an imagined scenario or an imagined threat, but there's actually no real threat surrounding you, right? So do you have all your fingers as an example? Do you have all your toes, right? Are you currently safe? Is everything okay? And 99% of the chances are that you probably are safe, right? So ask yourself that question, am I safe? And just something to add here as well, it's very, very important not to judge yourself for what you're feeling or thinking, okay? When you're anxious, your mind's going to start racing. Your body might start racing as well, but it's important not to judge yourself and be like, oh, I'm anxious again. This will never go away. I'm always anxious, right? Anxiety is a part of us, but we are not the anxiety, okay? So some people can get so identified with their anxiety because they've been suffering with anxiety for so long that they think it's part of who they are, right? At the core of their identity, but anxiety is not who you are. It's just a part of us. It's a survival mechanism that's built into us, right? So again, it's really about noticing that you are not your anxiety. And to help you create that distance from your anxiety, what you can do and what I say to myself is, okay, instead of saying I am anxious, you say a part of me feels anxious, right? So again, that helps you create that space between you and your anxiety. So again, don't say I am anxious, say a part of me feels anxious. Tip number two is to challenge your thoughts, okay? As I've said many times before, and I have an episode dedicated on this saying, you are not your thoughts and emotions, okay? We are not our thoughts. We are the ones objectively able to observe our thoughts, okay? So again, to create that space between us and our thoughts is very important. You can do this by journaling, by the way. You can just write down, for example, all of your thoughts, right? So catch yourself thinking your worst thoughts, right? So as an example, let's say you're very worried and you're saying, oh, my boss gave me negative feedback at work. He's going to fire me, all these different types of things, right? You can write that down and then you can challenge your thoughts, right? Just because someone gave you feedback, first and foremost, was the feedback actually negative or was it constructive criticism, right? There's a very big difference there. And also, is your boss actually going to fire you over this negative feedback, right? Even if it was not the best feedback, is he actually going to fire you or is he saying that so you can improve as an example, right? So again, really challenge your thoughts. Thoughts are like clouds in the sky. They come and they go. They're not always true and they're definitely not always facts, right? So again, challenge your thoughts. And another quick method you can use to challenge your thoughts as well, depending on the circumstance in the scenario, is called the six-pack method, okay? So let's just give an example to highlight this method here. So let's say that you just started dating someone and you're really into them, right? So you're texting back and forth and then all of a sudden they just, they don't text you, okay? Maybe six hours go by, maybe a day goes by and they don't text you back. So all of a sudden your mind can start projecting and thinking about all these different things, right? You can start getting very anxious, okay? And now you're like, oh, 
Maybe they don't like me. Maybe I said something wrong. What could I have done differently? All these different things, right? Just because they didn't message you back. So instead of jumping into this whole hypothetical scenario of what ifs, what you can use is the six pack method. So with the six pack method, what you do, instead of causing yourself more anxiety and wondering about all these what ifs, okay? You think about six different alternatives as to why they may not have texted you, okay? So maybe they're busy. Maybe they're with family somewhere. Maybe they're visiting their grandma, right? So you you get what I'm saying here, but essentially you think of six different things they could be doing, right? Just because someone doesn't text you for a few hours or a day doesn't mean that they're rejecting you or they're not interested, right? It could be because they're legitimately busy with something or they just could not message you. So the six pack method is a great way to kind of get out of that overthinking rumination. Tip number three is schedule worry time, okay? I find this actually phenomenal and it's a great tool that you can use. But essentially, if you're someone that worries a lot, right, and it's causing you anxiety, you could be worried about finances, you could be worried about your job, whatever it may be, okay? Plan a time each day where you're going to worry about that specific thing, or maybe it's a few things, for about 15 to 30 minutes, okay? So pick a time, pick a place, okay? that you will be consistent every day. So maybe that's 6 p.m. at your kitchen table for 15 to 30 minutes. And the reason for doing this is because this is your dedicated time to actually worry, okay? So instead of spending your whole day worried about your finances or what you're gonna do, right? Because again, there's absolutely no point in worrying about something all day, okay? There's absolutely no point. So schedule a time where you can sit down for 15 to 30 minutes and write down your list of worries. So maybe it's you're worried about a few things, maybe it's you're worried about one thing, and then you know, focus on what you can control right now. There's so many things that we focus on that we can absolutely not control. So what can you do right now? What can you change right now? What steps can you take to maybe fix your finance problems or whatever it may be, right? But again, schedule that worry time. And if you find yourself worried about these things outside of your worry time, just catch that and bring yourself back, right? Be like, okay, I'm worrying right now. That's completely fine but I don't have time to worry about this right now. So I'm going to worry about this at 6 p.m. tomorrow at my kitchen table. Tip number four is to face your fears, okay? And I want to elaborate on this because this is so important. As I've mentioned before, anxiety can be caused by a lot of different things, right? And one of those things can be actually taking action on something. So let's say that you are afraid of public speaking because you're worried that you won't do a good job. You're worried about what people will say and it's causing you a significant amount of anxiety, right? Well, you can always choose to avoid that or you can actually take the leap and do it. And I'm a firm believer, speaking from experience here, the more you do something, the less anxious you will be, right? Because let's say you're afraid of public speaking and you actually do it. Well, that will increase your confidence, even though it may not have gone as as you planned, right? Maybe it didn't go as well, but maybe it will go even better, right? So the more you actually do it and take action, the less anxious you will be. And the thing about your brain is, right? Like I said before, your brain is designed to keep you safe. So avoidance, if you're only avoiding the public speaking, if you're only avoiding doing the task, avoidance trains your brain to increase anxiety. Because if you keep avoiding public speaking, basically your brain is going to train itself to say, hey, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, right? This is is signaling a threat right now, okay? But if you show your brain that public speaking is okay, well, all that's going to reinforce is that confidence is going to build that and is going to show your brain that, hey, this is actually not a threat, so I'm good to do this. So again, avoidance trains your brain to increase anxiety. So by doing more of the thing that you're actually afraid of, 
your brain will literally learn to recategorize that, right? So it's not going to see it as a threat. It's going to see it as an opportunity. It's going to see it as something that you can do that will not trigger your fight or flight. Tip number five is to exercise, okay? And this is so, so important, and it's been proven time and time again to really help manage and alleviate symptoms of anxiety. So exercise can be anything from taking a walk out in nature for 20 minutes, okay? It could be going to the gym. It could be signing up for a spin class. It could be swimming lessons, whatever it is. But moving your body, again, has been proven to significantly help with anxiety. And personally speaking, right, I exercise almost every day and it has helped me personally tremendously with managing my anxiety, right? Because again, exercise is a way to connect back to your body. It's a way to ground yourself, right? And sometimes when your mind is overwhelmed, right? Let's say you're having a lot of anxious thoughts. Sometimes, you know, fighting the mind with the mind does not work, right? If you're in a severe state of anxiety, trying to catch your thoughts and trying to, you know, challenge your thoughts may not work. It may actually just cause more overthinking and more rumination. So the best way to do that is to ground yourself by really regulating your nervous system, getting back into your body, right? So again, walk out in nature, exercise, but moving your body is a great way to alleviate anxiety. Tip number six is to limit your caffeine intake, okay? So caffeine can increase the body's level of cortisol, and cortisol is your stress hormone, okay? So Basically, when you're drinking coffee, just think about when you're drinking coffee, right? It can get you jittery. It can get you hyped up, which is not always a bad thing, by the way. But if you're already having a lot of anxiety, right? Let's say you're just having a day where you're extremely anxious. If you go and drink coffee, that's definitely not going to help your symptoms of anxiety. In fact, it will probably amplify it, right? Which is why I'm saying limit your caffeine intake, especially on those days where you're feeling a lot more anxious. This is something that I've personally started monitoring in my life, and it has helped me significantly in managing and alleviating my anxiety. Now, I know that we've talked about quite a lot today, but again, if you take anything away from this episode today, it's this simple fact, okay? Anxiety is a part of us. It's our alarm system in our bodies. It's there to quote unquote protect us, if you will, okay? So anxiety is not your enemy. As as much as some days it can definitely feel like it, trust me, I know I've been there, but what personally has helped me is to really kind of take a step back and first and foremost, understand that anxiety is only a part of us, right? It's not who we are. And secondly, know that you are not alone, okay? Anxiety is something that many, many, many people struggle with on a daily basis. And if you are overwhelmed by your anxiety, if you feel like it's taking over your life, then please seek help. And I say this in all my episodes because I truly believe that asking for help is a sign of strength not a sign of weakness, okay? So if you feel like anxiety is controlling your life, there might be something bigger, right? Maybe you have an anxiety disorder. There could be multiple different things, but please ask for help, whether that's a coach, a therapist, whatever it may be, ask for help. So that being said, that's all I've got for you guys on today's episode. If you did like the episode, please feel free to leave a comment or review, share it. Um, It really helps bring awareness Uh, to what I'm trying to do, which is really kind of, you know, spread this podcast on a broader scale to really help people um, just navigate everyday life challenges. So again, with that being said, I hope you have a good week and I will catch you guys next week.